All right, thanks so much for tuning in to our Life Church podcast. We are so pleased that you're here, that you're able to join with us for the second part of the message that I shared last week. It's called Don't Waste the Grace. If you haven't heard that first part, can I recommend that you go to iTunes and you download that and listen? It's free and it will help you understand where we're coming from. So come on, let's just dive in and understand this next level of what God has for us today. Now, we fight a devil who's real. He is real, and he's going to use temptation. And he's going to use temptation that's common to you, not temptation that's uncommon. And it's the same old, same old, same old temptations that beat some of you again and again and again until now. Until now, because when Jesus saved you, And when you received his grace, Jesus wants to come to you and say, come on, son, stop sinning. Stop sinning and start winning. Stop sinning, stop sinning. You cut off the old way of life. Yeah, you've had that anger problem for a long time. So no more. You've had that jealousy for a long time. Yeah, no, it's gone. No more. And you'll find those old things start to struggle with you. And so you've got to deal with those things. You've got to get rid of those things. You've got to make sure that you're sorting it out. And I've learned this, that grace is too valuable to waste. Grace is to be treasured. Grace is to be remembered. Grace keeps you on the road to becoming the greater you that God always intended you to become. Grace intends you to propel you to your future, not to make you go back to your past again. And that's why Jesus didn't just heal the paralyzed man and let him struggle through life Jesus went and he found him and he looked at him and he explained to him, okay, you're free, you're whole, you're well, now stop sinning. I love that about Jesus. He never leaves us alone. He comes back and says, okay, cool, you're free. Awesome. Now let's get busy. Let's get you connected. Let's get you joined up. Let's get you serving. Let's get you integrated with the fellowship of people around you. Why? Because there's always going to be the people who disagree with you. There's always going to be the legalists around you. There's always going to be that. But there are also all these other people that the paralyzed man knew. Because even though he was isolated and he had no friend to take him in the water, guess what? There was a whole lot of sick people that lied around him. There must have been somebody next to him that also had a mat. There was also there, he must have had a lot of conversations over 38 years, you know, that one person that was probably lying next to him, now all of a sudden, where is he? It's like, say this guy's called John. John's been lying there for 38 years. Where's John? John's gone 38 years. That's his spot. That's his spot. Where is he? Where is he gone? Well, he's whole now. He's well. But what often happens is people are asking questions. Well, what happened to you? And I think it's about time that we learn how to take the grace of God back to people and show them and teach them and show them what the grace of God looks like. The grace of God is something that is visible. The grace of God is something that you can touch and get a hold of. And some of the people around us, they need to know that Jesus Christ ain't just for you. He's for everybody. And if we understand this principle about grace, it's gonna move us to the next level. Why? Because it costs Jesus everything for us to have his grace. It's so expensive. In fact, it's priceless. Every blood of Jesus that he shed for us is priceless. So how dare we make light? How dare we think, okay, 
we're saved on a Sunday, so we're going to go sin on a Monday. Uh-uh, no way, no longer, not me. Not me. I ain't going to do it. Now you say, well, are you perfect? Then of course I'm not perfect. But the difference is, I'm not going to deliberately sin. See, I so I'm not going to entertain deliberate thoughts. I might make an honest thought. I might make a mistake because we're all human and that's cool. I understand that. That's the process that we're all in. But if I or if you were involved in a deliberate sin, when you repent and you get Jesus in your life, you've got to deal with that sucker. You've got to take that thing down. Otherwise, the grace of God will not protect you from what's coming next. That's where we have authority. That's where we have legal authority. That's where we have courts and we have judges and we have police and we have all kinds of things going on today. And we've got to learn that, yes, Jesus can forgive us, but unless we change our ways, we're still going to suffer the consequences from poor choices. And so, church, we've got to lead the charge and what it means not just to have the grace of God, but to stop sinning and show what a spiritual life looks like, a spiritual life of joy, a spiritual life of hope and of peace and of love. Because that's what the world needs. They don't need to hear any more sermons. They need to hear changed lives. Come on, somebody. They need to hear about the people who were broken for 38 years and now they're healed by the power of God. Let's let that testimony go forward. This is how you put marriage back together again. This is how you overcome some difficult situations when people hurt you. Now, having talked a little bit about grace, I know that's a huge subject. Having talked a little bit about that, now I've got to tell you the title of my message. Don't waste the grace. Don't waste the grace. Don't waste the grace. Don't be here going, oh, Jesus, forgive me. I screwed up again. I screwed up again. I never should have done that. And then you're like, I'm going to go sin again on Friday. Don't be doing that to Jesus. You're wasting his grace. <laughs> you know, and I think often people think, well, you know, <sighs> sin is like some horrible addiction. I, I, and, I, and I'm like, I'm not a drug addict or I'm not, you know, well, you know, sin can take many forms. It can be very, very subtle. You know, envy, selfish ambition, jealousy, those are wicked sins. And here's another one. I love this one. Gluttony is a sin. Oh gosh, come on somebody. You don't get many amens on that one. Put that on the refrigerator magnet as you go you know, it's like, it's like, you know, we've got to get this into a realm that enters our time-space world. No, I just don't want to preach to the middle class. This works at every level. I just don't want to preach to the upper class. This works at every single level. And so to help land this, don't waste the grace, I want to look at a man's in this last 10 minutes, a man's life, who took this instruction and wrote it into the New Testament. And that's the mighty apostle Paul. The mighty Apostle Paul, who was a murderer, a convict, a terrorist of his day. And yet he wrote one half, just over one half of the New Testament. Why? Because he understood grace and he stopped sinning. And he didn't feel, I mean, he felt bad about his past, but he couldn't change his past. Sometimes we, we make bad mistakes, but, you know, we got to move on. And, you know, Paul, he did it. He moved on and he wrote in the book of Titus, you can go ahead and turn to, to that right now. Titus chapter 2, it's going to come up on the screens. He wrote to his son in the faith, Titus, and he, and he said this, For the grace of God, there it is, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Awesome. Yay. And you would think the grace of God, 
motivates everybody to this place where they say yes. But then he goes on to say this. The grace of God teaches us to say And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The grace of God should teach me to say yes, not no. I'm like, you should say yes to my dream. Yes to his promises. Yes to everything I want to do. No, it doesn't say that at all. In fact, that's the opposite. Because there's something about grace that helps you realize our life here on earth is so fleeting, it's so short. It's just, a, it's just like a mist that's going to be gone. And if we don't understand the grace forever that's going to qualify us to get into heaven. I mean, that's just phenomenal when you get your head around that. And I know people argue against grace. They don't see the value of grace. Well, when those same people are at the gates of heaven, let's find out what they say about grace then. Because it's not going to be works that gets you into heaven. It's not. It's not going to be, you know, just warming up a seat at Life Church. No, it's not. It's not even serving. Not even, you know, being a good person. None of that is going to get you in. It's only through grace that we're saved. Not through our works. So any man should boast. Romans chapter 3. So we've got to make sure that we have that foundation of grace. And if you're not yet in that place where you're sure that you're sure that you're sure that you have grace in your life, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But first, let's go into this. Look at these categories. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And it just leaves it open. What's ungodly? Well, it's up to you to decide what's ungodly. Now, you got the Spirit of God in you, but the Spirit of God will show you what's ungodly. There are other scriptures like Galatians chapter 5 that gets into this and talks about some of the things I just mentioned. Envy, selfish ambition, arguing, gossip, some of those issues, sexual perversions. They're all there. But then it goes on to say, worldly passions. Okay, this is what we need to do. We need to exercise our no. You see, I'm at a moment, I'm trying to get in shape in 2015. It's my goal, my word for the year is commitment. And I'm doing my T25 Sean workout, and I'm on with it. It's a good thing to work out. But I've got to exercise. Some of you, you need more exercise. And the exercise isn't just physical. It's when you say, a hard word for some of you, isn't it? Ooh, that hurt. No. That's a hard word. No. I don't mean you need to be rude. I don't need you to be angry or, you know, over the top. But, but you need to find a way to understand this. When it's about ungodliness, our worldly passions, you've got to have your no exercised. So come on, let me just hear a good, healthy no. That was okay. You know, and the devil's like this in temptation. You better know the power of a no. You better know the power of, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make that same mistake again. And there's another scripture about, I love this one. It's like sin is like a dog returning to its vomit. Isn't that disgusting? Ugh, gross. I don't know what it is about animals that want to do that. But, but if you don't know how to say no, you're going right back to that stuff that, that you've been tied up with for years. But because Jesus loved you, he went to that old paralyzed invalid 38 years and he said, you got to say no. You got to say no to sin. You got to say no and you got to get your life in order. I believe this. We have to understand that ungodliness and worldly passions have no place in the life of a Christian. No place drunkenness, whatever it is. Let's just throw it all in there. And it's so easy to get legalistic about this stuff and tell people what they should do and shouldn't do. 
God doesn't teach that, though. He says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit, he's going to be your counselor, and he's going to lead you into all truth. But you've got to learn this power of no. Give me a good no. No. Oh, come on, that's pathetic. Come on, every row from the front to the back. Give me a one, two, three, a good? No. I like that. Come on, one more time so the devil hears this. One, two, three. No. Come on, how about we go to our college and our schools this week, and somebody tempts us to get involved in something, and we say, that ain't strong enough. <laughs> See, when you say yes to ungodliness or worldly passions, one yes can destroy your life. I've counseled young people, it just broke my heart, and they've said yes to an immoral relationship, ended up getting pregnant, or ended up with an STD, and ended up getting horrible, horrible consequences. And yes, the grace of God is awesome. And yes, the grace of God restores people. But how about we exercise our no before we get in that mess? How about we say, oh my gosh, you ain't getting it. We got to get the no, because then it goes on to say this, okay? To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this age. Not in another age, but in this age, we've got to have this self-control and upright and God us in the present age. And then it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I mean, that's a life-changing concept. That's why I'm trying to say, don't waste the grace. Don't waste the grace. Now, now, this is so subtle because let me tell you how this works and how this lands. You know, some of you know my story about my mother. I, two years ago, my mother died, and she died at, you know, later on she lived into her early 70s, but she had a horrendous life, and she was abused as a child, and she ended up having an anger and bitterness, and it was hard on her. So, you know, she didn't handle it very well, and although she had a relationship with God, she would often talk to me about her pain, and she would blame everybody else around her for her problems. So when I'd get on the phone to my mom, sure enough, I've got two sisters, she'd start complaining and arguing, trying to start fights about stuff, and I'd get on the phone with her, and I finally said, I said, Mom, Mom, I love you, I love you, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom. I love you, but we can't have this conversation. You gotta learn how to say no to those old temptations and get over your bitterness. This is hard for me, because she lives living in America, and I'm here in England, and it's a long-distance telephone call, and I had to say, Mom, if you don't stop complaining and grumbling and whinging, I'm gonna hang the phone up on you, Mom. She's like, okay, well, let me just tell you one more problem I got, one more problem. Like, Mom, I'm hanging up the phone, Mom. No, let me tell you what your sister did this week. Mom, I'm hanging up the phone, and she just wouldn't stop, so finally, I had to make this decision. It's hard for me, because I love my mom, but sometimes love isn't the soft option. Sometimes, sometimes love is like, okay, if we're gonna stop sinning, if we're gonna make some calls on this, we're gonna have to say, I'm sorry, Mom, but I'm gonna have to go now, which is what I said to her. Click, the phone hang up. Then the next week, she called again, and you know, she called and started complaining. and said, Mom, 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 I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. Finally, click, I hung up the phone. Long story short, after like five years or so, Mom starts to get the message. So said, she starts complaining, and she starts saying to me, oh, Steve, I got this problem this week. Your sister was, oh, I'm just going to stop now. I said, good for you, Mom. 
Good for you. Get over that. Say no to those things that draw you back into your old way of bitterness and your old anger. Say no to that stuff because that is ungodliness. See, she, she, was, she had all kinds of hang-ups. You've got to say no to the subtle things. You've got to say no to those things that are such a fabric of your everyday life that you don't even recognize it. Here's the awesome thing. When my mom finally died two years ago, I was able to go back for her funeral, which is very difficult um, to lose a parent. If you've ever lost a parent, it's very difficult. But here's the joy in the mess. The joy in the mess was that my mom learned how to overcome her bitterness, and she learned how to say no. So when I went into her home, her table was filled with coloring books from local children in the neighborhood because her back garden was connected to other neighbors' back gardens, and she would watch children and bake cookies for them and play with them, and people were in and out of her house, and she knew her neighbors, and it was one of her neighbors who found her when she had died. And the neighbor the night before said to my mom, Marcia, Marcia, you don't look very good. You, you're not very with it. Maybe we should call an ambulance and take you to hospital. And mom said, ah, I'm fine. I'll be fine in the morning. I'll be fine in the morning. I'll be good in the morning. And her friend said, no, Marcia, you don't look so good. You're not yourself. You're not your vibrant self. Let's go to get a doctor. And mom said, nah, I'll be fine in the morning. Well, guess what? My mom never woke up. She died that night. But guess what? She was fine in the morning. Because that's what the grace of God does. The grace of God teaches you to say no so that you can say yes to knowing Jesus, yes to living a productive life, yes to having the most awesome experience. God doesn't want you just to say no so that you're gonna be miserable. No, he's trying to get you to say, I'm not gonna settle for ungodliness because God has godliness for you. It's not just about worldly passion, it's about spiritual passions. There's so many great things that God has for every one of us. So we've got to learn how to say no. Come on, give me one more good old no as we finish tonight. No. Oh, come on, one more time. One, two, three. No. Oh, sounds good. Let that be music in your ear. Let that truth ring in your mind and in your conscience so you know the boundaries of what you need to say no to. And let's practice that so that we do not waste the grace of God. Come on, jump up to your feet. Time's gone. All right, well now this thought about don't wasting the grace is complete. And I hope now we take this incredible truth about God's grace and we truly change. That we have the courage and the confidence to become who God always intended us to be. That we say goodbye to depression and failure and all those things that often cause us to live our life in a repetitive cycle of brokenness. I really pray now that you shatter that brokenness forever and you get busy with enjoying that incredible abundant life that God has designed you to live. So have an outstanding week and we would love to see you at any one of our four campuses, Bradford, Leeds, Belfast or Warsaw, Poland, come and you just enjoy what God is doing on these campuses because he is truly doing incredible things. So have a great week ahead and we hope to see you soon.